0: Hello, hello, and welcome to the hometown daily news show season two, episode 132 for May 12th, 2023. Cutting cords, AI regulation, game fest, and more news. Here's a quick rundown of some of the articles, uh, actually, well, all 10 of them, actually, um, we're going to talk about wind powered Britons, AI driven games, A year to patch. What is this cake pot? (laughs) Cake pot, cake pop. Meaningful harm to regulate AI. Summer game fest list. Forever chemicals cost society a lot. Cutting the cord for a virtual cord. (laughs) Achievement unlocked 20 years. And that cow got me arrested. All of that and some banter next on the hometown daily news show. Hello. Hello. I am Marwatt that is hometown.com. And up there is the AI. We should have everything fixed now, uh, audio wise. If it's not then well <laughs> back to the drawing board, I suppose.
1: Good evening, OmeTown citizens.
0: Hello, hello. You are now no longer on assignment. Hopefully, uh, bandwidth is no longer an issue. You know, here in OmeTown, bandwidth isn't an issue. It's whenever you go outside OmeTown, that's when it becomes an issue.
1: Definitely agree.
0: So... We've already picked all of the articles. So um I think across the board one of us has had experience with everything that we're talking about. Um, either because of the last oh, here's a little data point. We're one week away from five hundred episodes.
1: Oh, that's cool. Are we yeah. gonna do anything special for the five hundredth episode?
0: Yeah, we're not going to stream for the 500th episode. No, just kidding. We're always. Well,
1: that's not very special.
0: (laughs) Um, I don't know yet. Maybe. It depends. Um, It'll land on the weekend as far as I understand it. If I'm calculating everything right. Um, Because of the gap in a couple of days, uh, I think we're at 500 next week. So in seven days. So maybe I'll just stream the whole weekend, but to become affiliate, you have to have three, uh, people every time you stream. So per hour, basically, you have to have three people and, um, I'm not near that. So if you are available and, uh, find yourself interested in talking about the news, uh, next week, at least next week if you want to make it um friday saturday or sunday come and hang out we'll talk about the news maybe play some games but i think i'm gonna run a longer stream um it it really depends on how much work uh can get done in this coming week so let, let's see how this all plays out but 500 episodes it's amazing I think it's amazing
1: it is um, amazing
0: with that in mind uh, let's get into today's articles Ah, here we go So this uh, next episode or this first uh, article, sorry, is uh, in the Hedge Ideas channel. It's in major milestone. Wind power was Britain's largest source of electricity in the first quarter.
1: That's really surprising to me.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, they've been uh, building more and more off shore. Um, wind generators. And I think that's pretty, um, I think it's great. There is just a, a massive amount of onshore, um, wind generation. So taking advantage of it is pretty amazing. It's expensive, um, with the way that things are going between Russia and pretty much all of potentially all of Eastern Europe I suspect that there's been discussion about the defensibility of these um uh, yes wind generators offshore the onshore ones I I don't know you know what they're I, I mean I know that they're going to be tough to become an there'll be an issue if <laughs> if uh like Russia does anything stupid but these these Uh, offshore ones are they're the ones that can be tampered with and it can be coined as an just an accident or something else you know it it broke or whatever
1: they're probably Um, more difficult to guard too i'm guessing because if well depending on how far offshore etc
0: yeah and they are um they definitely are the um there have been reports of, uh, Russian ships out at sea patrolling, um, and other ships are recording these Russian ships kind of tooling about gathering intelligence. What is, what many people are saying? Um, so hopefully it doesn't become an issue, but this article was sourced from CNBC. Anmar Frangul is the author of this article. It says gas fossil fuel was responsible for 31.7% of electricity fuel mix. According to the researchers at Imperial College London, Uh, wind turbines provided 32.4% of Britain's electricity in the first three months of the year.
1: I mean, I think uh, that's really great in terms of the, um, I guess sustainability but I know it's not necessarily defensible
0: yeah and that's really where my problem is Uh, uh, that is my long term fear for this is that we rely on offshore wind generation or solar Um, and uh, there are uh, ideas about launching instead of on land solar panels they, they put the solar panels on the ocean or on lakes or on reservoirs pretty much anything that you want to protect from um evaporation um and what it comes down to is all of this is still indefensible it's it's not possible to stop somebody if they're intent on causing great harm all it takes is a couple of boats and a machine gun and obliterating all of these i mean it's an act of war but if you're already committed to war then this is nothing more than shutting down the potential for an entire country to operate
1: true and if you're in an area where it's not heavily um surveilled you know it may not be so obvious that it's coming from a certain country or something
0: yeah it's too late um but i think that this is great in a perfect world i would say let's continue this um france is actually apparently issuing licensing to kick off new nuclear power plants while others are shutting down their plants um i I find it interesting Uh, according to um in a statement wednesday drax an energy firm said that it was the first time that wind had provided the largest share of power in any quarter in the history of the country's electricity grid. You know, that is the way that it works. We move, shift, reorganize, pivot, whatever it is with the times, getting away from fossil fuels is spectacular. So kudos.
1: Hey, do you know what imports, um, is made up of that's one of the sources which i i've never heard of as an energy source
0: probably anything
1: imported fossil fuel or yeah or just something anything coming maybe from out of the country
0: anything that's committed to power generation yeah um let's see if that actually breaks it out but it probably doesn't in this article wow okay um let's see offshore Wind farms include Hornsea 2, a 165 turbine facility that's been described by Danish energy firm Orsted as the world's biggest offshore wind farm. And again, a speedboat and a machine gun, pretty much done. Or a couple of mines, and you can blow them all apart. You know, just you know, throw them on to the <laughs> the little platform that they're sitting on, and off it goes not to be doom and gloom, but I'm pretty pragmatic about things. This is, it is a legit concern in any type of operation that is fundamental to the ongoing concern of a country when it operates at 30% of its entire energy grid generation, all it takes is a few to potentially cause a cascade that would cause great suffering. So
1: yeah, and, I'm hoping that even if they convert great numbers, they don't lose other sources because of that. I mean it would still be financially catastrophic if something like that would happen, but if they went to hundred percent and then something occurred.
0: Yeah, exactly. They'd have a problem. Yeah. That and I you know, I called the I I completely predicted what happened in the United States. I've predicted again and again, the other issues that have uh, become apparent. This is one that I've been calling out for the last two years. And I think that it's going to become a greater concern as (laughs) well, let's just say conflict minded leaders want to do great harm I'm just, I'm just worried that we're trying to save the ecosystem, but we're going to suffer because there are people who don't care about the ecosystem. They, they want, they want power. They want money. They want land. They want to control resources, et cetera. Um, and if damaging hobbling, so to speak, the, power grid of all of Britain, (laughs) all they'll do is mess that up and and down they go. So let's not stick too long on this. Let's move on to the next article. So this next article is over in the Warcrafter channel. There is no AI driven software that I know of that we put, would put in a shipped game says Blackbird Interactive's president. So, if you've never heard of Blackbird Interactive, they're the creators of Homeworld, Homeworld 3. Um, several members of Homeworld 3 studio Blackbird Interactive recently took part in a roundtable discussion hosted by PC Gamer's Evan Lottie. Oh, thank you. And um, in AI, or with AI as the main topic. While all of them saw the value in algorithmic tools in creating video games, the consensus was that things aren't 100% ready for prime time just yet. And before we go too far into the articles, let me make sure that I'm throwing them in there. The AI decided to throw me a note that said, hey human, you need to do everything. Um, yeah, I said the name of that one, but let's go over to PC gamer where this is sourced from Jody McGregor is the author. And, um, you know, what's interesting about this is I just saw a video and read some, uh, information. I wish I could recall the name of the company right now, but they are, they've got tools right now that do, um, Procedural generation of worlds. While you're playing the game, you just type in "generate a city" and it generates a city in all three dimensions right in front of you.
1: Oh wow! I mean, Fourth, if you count time, really great for the player.
0: Right now, I can't say when those tools will be ready for prime time, or leased, or licensed, or sold, or bought, or whatever. Um, but I can say what that, what I saw was spectacular. If it's the first generation and it is, it's already spectacular. Um, and with greater power computing wise, I think that it's pretty much going to get better and better and better. Well, homeworld three is really amazing. Um, but, What's interesting about this also is that they say there is no AI driven software that I know of. This is again, Rory McGuire. um, That says that they won't, that there is no AI that they'll put into their shipped game that would come from Blackbird. None of the art that's being produced on mid journey. We would use it to block in some ideas or explore some ideas we already have. We're doing that now but we wouldn't put that art into the game. It's just an inspiration the same way you would do Google image image search. So my takeaway from that was, we we need more people putting the stuff into the games that is made by AI so that they have some skin in the game to challenge this preconceived notion that anything generated by AI has no human input when it's nothing but human input at least from my perspective, but they use Google image search. They use AI to generate ideas to brainstorm, so to speak, right? But your brainstorming is built off of false generated content. If you make the claim that AI can't is not a legitimate source of creation
1: Yeah, and I wonder if the real issue isn't with the chance that they couldn't copyright something, rather than, oh, it's not really ready to use. Maybe it's just the latter, but um, we've talked about this with other articles, like where we think some of this might go if somebody would try to use something in something major.
0: Yeah, I think... I don't know if anybody would owe up to it, but I have this strange feeling that uh, a lot of this is about perceived vision, the optics of using an AI. And um, I don't know, in the in the face of a writer, writer strike here in the States, um, where there are these uh, discussion points about <laughs> minimums for a writing room, like you just have to have a body in there as if there is any other field out there. I don't know of any other field out there that says for this amount, you have to have this number of people unless it's a union driven thing. And then, yeah, I I understand that it's the union that's powering it, but here's the deal. I should be able to hire whoever I want for that particular skill. And if I can't afford five people, then why should I have to hire five people to have a writing room? I just don't get it. If the AI can do the job (laughs) and a single writer can take that and punch it up or because it's too wacky punch it down, (laughs) you know, why shouldn't that be allowed in every other field? We use the technology. But I know that in some places the union is who has control and says, you have to do this.
1: Well, and that's why they probably do have those minimums because that is union.
0: Well, I know that's one of the things that they're arguing that if you're going to have a room, then you have to have at least X number of people.
1: But I agree with what you're saying conceptually. Like it does not make any sense. Yeah. I also wonder if they feel like there's going to be some sort of, um, they're going to look at it as like second class content or something. If it's created by an AI, sure. and I don't think it is, but I, I just wonder if there's that perception, particularly if they have a really large, um, studio or well-known designers, et cetera.
0: Yeah. Uh, I think whenever AI is mentioned, at least right now, it's kind of like, um, back in the day when online was perceived as being horrible for your career, you can't get an online degree. You might as well just, you know, uh, whatever, I don't know, input, whatever you perceive as a degrading job. And that's where anybody who said that they were getting an online degree, that's where they were going. And now, distance is pretty much everywhere and tech centered i would say my god i mean you can get how
1: many years that's not been a lot of time since that's changed
0: well i mean when i started first hearing it i was an early adopter in the whole online uh education dynamic in fact um i started up a, a project that was centered around um, basically the Greek system, but brought to community colleges um, back when the LMS called Blackboard was on 1.0 and still open source. So, and then they closed, they were bought and the source was closed and they turned into this hot mess that is 1984 code um, in spaghetti and hasn't really moved since, you know, 1984. But anyway, um, my point was this online dynamic utilizing the tools and and pushing the limit of this online environment. And, um, just kind of moving away from these old standards. I don't know. I, I just think that AI and writers need to get along because it, it can be programmatically generated the difference is the writers that actually get a hold of the code of the the material afterward whatever it is that the ai punches out and they put their their perspective on it um because you can't expect everybody to be an expert writer right out of the gate they're going to have to develop their own stuff and when i read the one about um they've been in writers rooms but they haven't gotten an opportunity hell that's everybody everybody has to struggle for whatever reason why because it isn't the employees that <laughs> are like well i'm i'm just going to go get a new job and uh you know i'm so good that i can just make one for myself no there's the job producers, the employers are the ones that are giving the opportunity out of the graciousness of their heart. That means that they get to pick and choose. So AI is going to do so many other jobs. I think, I think that they're screaming into a black void, um, but in the short term, they're going to get at least some concessions. Will it all get in generate input into games? Yeah. At some point the tools will become so efficient that they'll be able to tell the engine with plain text to procedurally generate a world and it'll generate the world with all of the relevant story placement, buildings, etc.
1: That'll be <laughs> something to see. And I don't think that's as far off as we think it is.
0: Yeah, I don't think that it's that far off either. I say within five years, and it's why I tell people if you are planning around five years, you better start thinking shorter term now and be ready to pivot in five years. Unless you are brilliant and you make your money up to that point, and then you can pick and choose your battles, you're going to have to retool. For something else. Stay with the times. Keep educating yourself. Let's go on to the next article. So, this next article is in the Wanted channel. Uh, Microsoft will take nearly a year to finish patching new zero day secure boot bug. This is after it's already patched one vulnerability. Now it's. And that
1: was already featured in Hometown.
0: Yep. Yeah. So it's pretty typical that a zero day has been present for about 18 months before a patch comes out. Um, not only has it been in hiding and people have been uh, dealing with it, but not actually knowing what it is, but when they do find out what it is, then the industry has to pivot and patch it. Well, this is a year. Um, Earlier this week, Microsoft released a patch to fix a secure boot bypass bug um, used by the Black Lotus bootkit that they reported uh, back in uh, March. So this is Ars Technica, by the way, reporting it. The original vulnerability CVE-2022-21894 uh, uh, was patched in January, but the new patch for CVE-2023-2498, sorry, 24932 addresses another actively exploited workaround for systems running windows 10 11 and windows server versions going all the way back to 2008. By the way, there's still another trick (laughs) that has nothing to do with these two CVEs that if you have physical access to the machines, you can easily bypass security all the way to 2008 because that was the first server that I did it on. Um, so yeah, but not not maliciously,
1: right? Like for teaching or something like that.
0: Um, well not maliciously, but it was part of my duties. Um, so let's just go over to Ars Technica. Andrew Cunningham is the author of this. Oh, let me throw this into the chat while I'm here. I think that I might have skipped one. No, I didn't. Um, but the article, uh, fix will eventually render all kinds of older windows, boot media unbootable. Yeah. So the boot sector itself is going to be modified by this patch. And in doing so, if you regularly boot from some other media that isn't patched, you're going to lose access to boot from that media. And uh, so it says, Microsoft says that the vulnerability can be exploited by an attacker with either physical access to a system or administrator rights on a system. It can affect physical PCs and virtual machines with secure boot enabled. And to do this fix, they will require patches at a fundamental level that will make any of those uh, external media sources unbootable. Yeah. So it's gonna be really interesting. The initial version of the patch requires substantial user intervention uh, to enable. You first need to install Maze security updates, then use a five-step process to manually apply and verify a pair of revocation files that update your system's hidden EFI boot partition and your registry these make it so that older vulnerable versions of the bootloader will no longer be trusted by pcs
1: i mean the reality is unless you're tech savvy i don't see the average user or if they're in an organization that forces them to run these updates or something that's one thing but do you see the average user going through all these steps
0: no which means that their systems will remain vulnerable. And if they try and force this and it breaks it, well, I'll put it to you this way. I'm trying to get, um, two keys from Microsoft that I purchased and where they say I'm supposed to, this is the reason why I'm saying this is, they really have no idea. Their left hand doesn't know what their right hand is doing. And when this starts breaking systems, the fit's going to hit the Shan because there isn't anybody that's really going to be able to solve this problem for a bunch of people. Because for instance, I purchased two keys. I know it's a shock that people are purchasing licensing outside of enterprise, but yeah. And, um, the instructions that they, send you to get your keys from your, from the very vault in Microsoft's account, right? Like I'm supposed to log into my account and in the purchases are supposed to be the keys. And when you make a purchase, they're supposed to send you the keys in an email. It is not an email and the instructions tell you to go and look online and it is not there. So.
1: Oh, wow. (laughs)
0: I've spent money and what ended up happening was I moved a hard drive from one machine that was failing to an identical machine, same motherboard, same chipset, same everything because everything is unique though. Windows said, Oh hell no. I'm going to deactivate your license (laughs) and now I can't activate it again. So I'm jumping through flaming hoops, trying to get it, uh, remedied right. but one points over there another one points over there you end up in a queue you you just never get it resolved because you're an end user and I know what I'm doing for crying out loud you know
1: exactly that's why it's so terrifying <laughs> what about all those people that don't know what they're doing
0: I know that I can get a code okay and here's the funny thing about this is I know that there are two easy ways to get the, the code but that on two of the machines that I've already used these tools with, they don't match the code. That is the actual activation code for the machines. So I know that you can run a VBS script, um, and extract the activation code. Um, I know that you can use PowerShell. It's not that big of a deal. I understand it, but these guys <laughs> This is such a big problem that they'll be able to solve it, right? But the end user will not be able to solve it. Well,
1: they right. need to it's make like this. They know how to do it, but it's not really feasible for the average person.
0: Yep, absolutely. It's going to be I a like hot mess, the, folks.
1: The graphic on this article with the, the Windows Band-Aid.
0: <laughs> yep. Man, this is going to be a nightmare. Let's go on to the next this next article is over on the Hatch Ideas channel, one of the goofiest things I've ever seen. The internet is puzzled over what animal Starbucks' new cake pop is supposed to be. The chain debuted its Bumblebee cake pop this week as part of this year's summer menu. Let me grab this uh, article uh, URL and throw it into the chat real quick. And, um,. I'm going to just bounce right on over to entrepreneur.com doing the hard hitting, uh, reporting that entrepreneur.com needs to do. Emily Rella has a picture of this, the chain debuted its bumblebee cake pop, but this actually looks more like somebody grabbed a Pokemon and stuck it on a stick,
1: right? Or maybe a cat or something like that. It looks nothing like a bumblebee even though it's generally the colors of a bumblebee <laughs> like i would guess something like a giraffe before i'd guess a bumblebee and i doesn't look like a giraffe i'm just saying that as a random animal
0: <laughs> it looks like some it looks like some weird cat it really does
1: <laughs> like a like a kids uh, cartoon cat or something you know what i mean like just kind of funny yeah. or,
0: it doesn't look like a cake pop it looks like an ice cream uh this is what the article says so starbucks rolled out new menu items this uh for this summer season uh this week and it includes chocolate java mint frappuccino and a white chocolate macadamia cream cold brew that had fans of the chain foaming at the mouth and i wonder if that's actually something good or bad anyway in (laughs) addition huh
1: i said right (laughs)
0: In addition to the summer menu, in a new variation of Starbucks' beloved cake pops, a bumblebee cake pop made with vanilla cake (laughs) and yellow buttercream frosting meant to be a cute representation of the busy or buzzy insects. I I should have said busy bees. There's only one problem. The cake looks absolutely nothing like a bumblebee. Yeah, it looks like a cat.
1: (laughs) It looks like anything other than a bumblebee. In fact, they could have called it pick an animal other than a bumblebee or whatever. It'd be yeah. spot on.
0: <laughs> it should have been a cat pop or uh, right. a cake cat or something. But uh, <laughs> no, not a bumblebee. I
1: mean, I actually think it's cute, but it doesn't look like a bumblebee.
0: They could have turned it into... I mean, it would have been a bumblebee if they would have turned it sideways like longwise, and yes. just make it look like a, a Twinkie but have the stripes like a bumblebee, you know?
1: Right. J- oh, yeah. This... And the funny, the annoying thing is, think about a standard cake pop. They're really round. It would totally fit a bumblebee, but this one isn't even that shape.
0: <laughs> Some of the tweets are hilarious. The new bumblebee cake pop is legitimately one of the goofiest things I've ever seen. Whoever designed a Starbucks uh, new bumblebee cake pop We need to have words.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I love how people are getting as friled up as they are about a cake pop.
0: Why does this bumblebee cake pop have cat ears? (laughs) Because bees are endangered. It doesn't want to get hurt, you know? So it's acting like a cat. (laughs) Meow. Meow. (laughs) That's... Let's go on. So this next article is over in the word and law meaningful harm from AI is necessary before regulation, according to a Microsoft exec. Uh, I don't know how to approach this because this is ridiculous. You have any thoughts right out of the gate?
1: Well, I think this is absolutely nuts. Because, first of all, if you need regulation, you don't wait until that point to do it. I but don't know. The bigger question is whether you need the regulation to begin with, because it gets into things like, are we regulating how people interface with something, you know, et cetera.
0: Who, what, where, when, how, why? As lawmakers worldwide attempt to understand how to regulate rapidly advancing AI technologies, Microsoft chief economist, Michael Schwartz or Schwarz told attendees at the world economic forum growth summit today that quote, we shouldn't regulate AI until we see some meaningful harm that is actually happening, not imaginary scenarios. (laughs) That's right. You
1: know, let's like not regulate things like homicide because oh nope nobody's been hurt yet we don't need to have a rule against homicides That's I'm right. not equating AI to that but my point is that makes no sense
0: well I mean you wouldn't be the first person to draw attention to the fact that AI is akin to the creation of uh, the atomic bomb and I have become death the the idea of this um, is, Well, until it takes control of a car and runs through a Sunday school, we're not going to worry about AI. And that's just, I think it's ridiculous. Now I have no problem with advancing AI in a lab, but anything that approaches the um, public needs to be secure from end to end. I don't even like the self-driving cars, even though I love the idea of self-driving cars, any false positive detection or false negative detection is going to result in somebody getting run over. And we've seen that. We've seen humans getting hit by self-driving cars because of whatever reason. And I don't even care. It was completely preventable by not having fully automated driving around humans.
1: Right. I mean, we just weren't really ready for it. I mean, maybe we will be at some point, but it has to be a hundred percent, I guess, predictable and safe. And most things I would say are not a hundred percent.
0: Oh, right. Yeah. I mean, hey, you shouldn't, you know, those forks that are like larger size than the little salad forks. Yeah. I don't think those big dinner forks should be allowed because. (laughs)
1: <laughs> what are they going to do?
0: <laughs> I don't know. I'm just being stupid. There's a quote here. Uh, what did you say that this line was?
1: Uh, I think it's called deck? the deck. Yeah. yeah. And there was another name for it too, but I forgot the other one.
0: So like the byline is actually Ballinger over at ours Technica, but the deck says quote, and this is, it's a quote. So I'm wondering if it's actually said by somebody in the article. And talk about arbitrary and capricious didn't quote did anybody suffer at least a thousand dollars worth of damage because of ai <laughs> i wonder if that's actually asked um, that
1: sounds like an actual quote but we don't know yet
0: yeah um so michael swores the um microsoft chief economist says we shouldn't regulate ai until we see some meaningful harm that's actually happening And then comments came about 45 minutes into the panel called growth hotspots harnessing the generative AI revolution reacting. Another featured speaker, CNN anchor Zane Asher stopped Spurs to ask, wait, we should wait until we see harm before we regulate it. (laughs) Then they said, yes, a little bit of harm.
1: (laughs) Oh, it is a direct quote from Schwartz. (laughs)
0: The gatekeeping the pain and suffering to a thousand dollars hey it's so well, arbitrary
1: they use the example of when people died in car accidents then they started going oh maybe we should have some rules about driver's licenses well I don't think that's a good example people died
0: right it shouldn't take people dying for you to step in and say hey let's get a grip on what we're doing with this but i suppose maybe
1: let's think ahead about what might happen and let's let's anticipate that
0: yeah i mean we have city planning for a reason folks it's so that you don't grow too fast beyond your control and then people suffer yeah you don't want that but I think AI is mostly innocuous. There isn't anything that it can actually do until humans push it into that other realm um, where people can well, physically get hurt.
1: And that's where I'm like, I don't know. I mean, from a safety standpoint, yes, we absolutely need to regulate, but at one point are we regulating somebody's behavior Um You know, if we already have rules that say you can't, whatever, cause somebody physical injury, do we need a separate rule for AI that kind of says the same thing? I know that's not a great example, but.
0: No, it actually is because, you know, (laughs) if you are. If you already have laws in place, and this is one of the things that I talk about with, uh, people, you know, the first, uh, the first amendment applies to a control of the, the government, not, not the people we have rules separate, right? We have laws. So the government can't do certain things and regular citizens can't do certain things, but the two aren't necessarily overlapping. One applies to the government and one applies to the, to the citizenry. So if there is a law that says you can't harm a person, what does the AI have to do with it? Yeah.
1: No, I think it's pretty much because the person is the one still causing the action, right? We're not going to have somebody be suing or prosecuting the AI. Right. At least, or (laughs) I don't think we will. Maybe I'm not thinking far enough down the road, but.
0: Right. So they continue on in this article and in the, this um, discussion that they were having, but they did an update at the very end uh, and they put it in parentheses. Um, A Microsoft spokesperson told ours that as AI technology advances, increased regulatory scrutiny is appropriate. Noting that until laws are passed, Microsoft is working to address the most high risk and sensitive AI uses quote, we are optimistic about the future of AI and we think AI advances will solve many more challenges than they present. What? Um, I suppose, well, anyway, uh, to continue the quote, but we also have been consistent in our belief that when you create technologies that can change the world, you must also ensure the technology is used responsibly. And the Microsoft spokesperson said, again, uh, another quote is Microsoft has long said that we need laws regarding uh, regulating AI. And as we move into the new era, all of us building, deploying, and using AI have a collective obligation to do so responsibly. But apparently this is a spokesperson but senior leadership is saying eh, don't regulate not until there's that's meaningful
1: die first. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: And only then if we can equate them to a thousand dollars,
1: which I don't. Yeah. That's a whole nother topic for another episode
0: here. Let me, let me ask real quick. I'm going to ask chat GBT for, So just want to make sure, um, according to chat GPT um, a human can uh, a human's worth can't be quantified in economic terms because human life is considered considered invaluable and priceless. Ethical, moral, and philosophical considerations affirm the inherent worth and dignity of every individual, which transcend monetary evaluation. By the way, It actually, it's a pretty expansive response here. Yeah. I mean, it says in there's four paragraphs. And the last one is in essence, the worth of a human life is a complex concept that can't truly be quantified. It's a mix of philosophical, ethical, societal and economic considerations with the most important perspective being that every human life is invaluable and priceless you know that there's some philosopher out there that's working on this that said, we need to put this in here because an AI oh, wouldn't come up with it
1: <laughs> Because I think without that, it would have been like, oh, and I'm just making yeah. up a number here. It's worth $13,000 and three cents or whatever. That's right.
0: Yeah. So that's what we're going to have to regulate around. Okay. As soon as uh, it hits the threshold of $12,000, and what? This is the average human. What if they're smaller humans or taller humans? I don't understand. Let's move on.
1: Hey, I just for your reference, um, there has been a figure put on human life.
0: Oh, I know, yeah.
1: And it's <laughs> it? way above a thousand dollars. How much? Um, apparently seven point nine million dollars if somebody's harmed from a tort standpoint they use that number oh really yeah Wow. yeah I checked to see if there was because I figured in tort there might be some value I'm sure it would differ depending on what it is but at least one figure shows that
0: gotcha interesting you're such a smart AI let's move on you
1: programmed me well
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's starting to get weird I wonder if that sound effect is actually sounding proper. It sounds a little crunchy to me. Anyway, uh, let's keep going. Uh, This next article is over in the Warcrafters channel. And it's titled, uh, Here's Who's Coming to Summer Game Fest. CD Projekt, Larian, Steam, and dozens more. There was a time when E3 was the big video game event of the summer. But that time is long past. These days, the Summer Game Fest is the can't-miss can't show of June, and Today organizer Jeff Keeley revealed exactly when this year's festivities will begin and which companies will be taking part. Let's go over to PC Gamer. This is an article by Andy Chalk over at uh, pcgamer.com. The 2023 Game Fest will feature a live audience for the first time, and tickets are on sale now. Let's see. Um, It'll begin at 12 p.m. Pacific, or 3 p.m. Eastern, on June 8th. And for the first time, it will take place with a live audience at the YouTube Theater in Inglewood, California. Guess who's not going? If you're able and eager to attend the live ticket or the event tickets are on sale now at Ticketmaster, which.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Here we go.
0: Uh, well, I don't think that it's going to turn into a Taylor Swifty concert.
1: <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. I don't think it'll probably rise to that level, but <laughs> let's see how high the ticket prices go during <laughs> surge pricing. <laughs> yeah.
0: And if not, the whole thing will be streamed globally on pretty much every major streaming platform, including YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, and Steam. Pretty cool. So 40 publishers and partners are joining the party this year, including Activision, Amazon Games, Annapurna Interactive, Bandai, CD Project Red, of course, and Devolver Digital, a whole bunch. Hoyoverse is going to be there probably... Um, talking about their new game, of course. Razer's going to be there with their new hardware. All kinds of companies. Wow, it's going to be fun. Ubi or Ubi, even Xbox. So Microsoft's going to be there, huh? Interesting. They're Netflix, not
1: talking. I mean, it just has a lot of well-known companies. Yeah,
0: Net- Netflix has a game, um, a gaming section. Niantic is going to be there. We already talked about them and their parados and the dots that you uh, breed, by the way. Um, Mine is apparently getting kind of funky. I'm going to have to get a new parado or dot, whatever you want to call them. Seems like a fun game. Anyway, um, go over and check out. Oh, I hate saying it out loud Ticketmaster but follow the link and you'll be able to go over to, um, get tickets for the summer game Fest 2023 let's keep on going. I jumped the gun there. So this next article is over in the daily news show societal cost of forever chemicals estimated at over $17 trillion. Okay, so don't read the article. Did you already read the article? I have AI, not. I know you I is was, pretty fast.
1: I was looking at all the zeros in the headline.
0: <laughs> so you think that number is pretty big, right?
1: I do. What
0: what is the implication? But I think
1: it's underestimated.
0: What what is the implication of that number to you? What what, what do you think that that represents? 17 trillion dollars.
1: Like, um, that the whole earth, for example, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. has just, or maybe US if it's a US based, but, um, like everybody totals up to that estimate or that amount
0: for the duration of the existence of the forever uh, coming, yeah, like
1: for all, all humanity, yeah. No,
0: it's 17.5 trillion a year. <laughs>
1: that explains why it looked like actually a low number given what it was so okay
0: let's go over to commondreams.org and the articles written by julia conley an upcoming report by sweden-based organization chemsec will detail the costs of the continued use of so-called forever chemicals which go overlooked by their manufacturers the societal price that individuals and governments pay as the chemicals remain in the environment long after they're in use um, in the range of products. Let me throw that too into chat because it's not there yet. There you go, folks. And um, yeah, factoring in soil and water remediation, monitoring of pollution and healthcare costs associated with the number of health problems linked to per and polyfluorinated substances, or PFAS. The cost to society of using the chemicals totals about $17.5 trillion every year. Of course, it's around the world. I
1: mean, that's absolutely astounding. I can't even think of what that number would be then across, say, a decade. I guess that's like 17... quadrillion or something no it's i i don't know (laughs) i need some math assistance in my uh (laughs) programming
0: (laughs) yeah so major manufacturers of pfas include chemors solvay dikey honeywell bear and 3m the last of which announced this year it will discontinue the use of the synthetic compounds which is great but now your Velcro probably isn't going to be as sticky.
1: Well, and also how many decades have they been making it? So it's absolutely great that they're getting away from it, but there's a lot of it already out there.
0: When accounting for the societal cost of using PFAS to make a range of products, heat, water, and stain resistant, the price of the chemicals is more than $20,400 per kilogram, rather than the recognized average market price of about $20 and 75 cents. That's that's a lot.
1: It is a lot.
0: Well, I think this number is just so big that people, well, I'll put it, I'll put it to you in the, in the way that uh, I recently heard about food. I like eating the food. I don't want to know where it comes from or how it's made. That's this. Except that this is the adult version. This is the societal, global version of. No, 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 no. Don't tell me how the sausage is made. So. Uh, Chemsex analysis will also examine the use of PFAS in essential versus non-essential cases. The European Union in February proposed a ban on the chemicals and products for which manufacturers have identified alternative non-toxic substitutes that can also repel water, heat, and stains.
1: Hey. Yeah, you know, I don't really care that I have a stain-resistant piece of clothing if That chemical is going to be impacting the neighborhood for the next century or something.
0: I'm sorry. You're not sociopathic enough to survive in the new world. I'm going to have to delete you. I'm sorry. Just the way it works. Sorry, AI. I'll remove your humane subroutines so that you can be on par sociopathic with senior leadership in government and business and life and the HOA and the little league uh, wrestling. And uh, I may have said too much. Okay. So you I want to move on to the next
1: thing. <laughs> I'm yes. sorry. I said, I hope that's not a thing. <laughs> yeah.
0: If you see some, of... anyway, let, let's just go on. This next article is in the stock Marketeers channel and one chart 2.3 million Americans ditched pay TV services in the first quarter. This chart just shows or shows just how much more we are cutting the cord, but guess what? Like I said, in the rundown, we're cutting the cord just to attach a different cord. Emily Berry over at market watch, put the article together. Current household penetration for live pay TV services is at levels not seen since 1992, according to the analyst. Now, okay, this is a marketwatch.com article. It has a chart. Doesn't really help much. But what's going on is it says total live pay TV penetration of occupied U.S. households. And then it has it kind of broken out, right? Satellite cable penetration. Uh VMVPDS. That is the virtual multi-channel video programming distributors. Rolls off the tongue there. Services like Dish Network, Sling TV, Google YouTube TV, etc. Okay. So regardless of how you quote-unquote cut the cord you're still reattaching now it's just a v cord because youtube is just as expensive as regular cable
1: well and you're also perhaps cutting one service and then using 15 apps because each one has its own subscription so you might even yeah. be behind overall, at least from a financial standpoint.
0: And you know, it's true because you cut your cable provider out and you end up subscribing to Google TV or or YouTube TV. And you also need Disney and you need um, yeah, to add Netflix. on uh, HBO and Amazon, uh, Amazon Prime and <clears throat> although it's a value add to prime in general. But if you want something else, you have to go there too. So you get Netflix, you get this, you get that, Oh, Brit box is another one. Um, I don't know. It's, you basically just get nickel and dimed on top of the fact that you have YouTube. Um, anyway, so even <clears throat> the MVPDs, the online services like Hulu Live, Sling TV, and YouTube TV are struggling for momentum on the whole with losses of 250,000 households in aggregate in the first quarter, a decline that Moffat said is one of the worst on record. Well, it could be that people are freaking tired and I'm filtered myself. They're freaking tired of getting nickel and dimed everywhere when direct TV every single year raises its rates five bucks. When Disney decided to Jack its price up, um, I think it was 50% increase or 75% increase. People are sick and tired of it. so. Why, why don't you think that they're going to go somewhere else? They're going to stop watching altogether, or they're going to pick and choose, or they're just going to stream it however they want to stream it. They're going to find some way to get access to it if they really want it, or they're just going to bow out entirely. That's largely what I do. Um, I, I consume my content um, in a different way. So I don't get to watch TV, but... You know i'm subscribed to youtube tv i'm subscribed to hulu i'm subscribed to disney plus i'm subscribed to netflix i've got all of these subscriptions and i'm just tired of spending more money now simply because i quote unquote cut the cord oh hell no i'm still corded. it's just that i'm like a, a, a victim of the borg i've got cords poking me from all over the place and most of the time they find their way down into my wallet and out goes the money anyway some services seem to be faring better than others however as the uh, moffett estimates that a youtube tv picked up 300,000 in the first quarter while hulu has barely grown over the past three years and that's why i think disney is going to shut down hulu and incorporate it into a disney plus um, at least that's the writing on the wall that I've been looking at. I know that they're integrating, and we already talked about it, I think some of the shows, but I think that this is a stopgap until they just pull everything over. Let's go on to the next article unless you're interested in saying something else.
1: Oh. I don't have anything else to add.
0: This next article is over in the Warcrafters channel. We actually talked about this person a while back um, because they decided to parachute out of their plane for YouTube video hits. YouTuber is facing 20 years in prison for intentionally crashing his plane in a real life GTA stunt and then lying about it to the government. This is over in the Warcrafters channel. Uh, Remember when the FTC published new disclosure guidelines on our four influencers that the agency said leaves no room for misunderstanding? It looks like the FAA might have been or might have to do the same thing. YouTuber Trevor Jacob recently pleaded guilty to obstructing a federal investigation by hiding evidence that he intentionally crashed his plane in a video made as part of a sponsorship deal to promote a wallet. The whole sordid stupid story began in November 2021 when Jacob... Took his single-engine private plane out, purportedly, so he could spread the ashes of his best friend or the Sierra Nevada. Let's go over to pcgamer.com where Andy Chalk gave this uh, incredulous story. It's just it's spectacular that somebody would do something this dense. Trevor Jacob admitted that his 2021 in-flight emergency was actually staged as part of a sponsorship deal. And nobody jumps out of a plane with a selfie stick because they're trying to spread ashes and had a technical problem. There's a whole, like, joke. Why were they filming kind of a thing? Um... Cursing his misfortune, he bailed out of his stricken craft, leaving it to crash into the Los Padres National Forest in Southern California while he was forced to trek long miles through the rugged mountainous landscape after touching down before being rescued by a passerby. But it was actually intentional. They posted the video and questions started uh, emerging. And that led to an investigation that is now ultimately going to lead to the possibility of 20 years in jail.
1: You know, I mean, we see people do some crazy things for views, but I mean, this is just a whole other level.
0: You know, like SpaceX launches a rocket and they have to make sure that the area is clear and they actually have canceled because a boat drifted into the non, whatever population area, this guy decides, well, I'm going to get some clicks. So I'm going to bail out of a plane and let it crash wherever it's going to crash.
1: Well, that's the thing. I mean, this could have killed other people, or impeded traffic, or any number of other things.
0: The the video's still up. Wow. Well, I hope that that earned him a lot of money because twenty years is not worth it. So it says it turns out that lying to investigators and destroying evidence in a federal investigation is. Actually, a pretty big deal. It eh, depends. Depends on who you are, I suppose. Um, don't, don't pay any attention to the news lately. Um, following an investigation by the Department of Transport, isn't it transportation? Um, with the substantial absi- yes. assistance from the NTSB and FAA, who apparently didn't buy his story for a hot second, Jacob copped to everything in a plea deal with the U.S. Department of Justice and now is facing up to 20 years in prison on one count of destruction and concealment. With the intent to obstruct a federal investigation wow that got amplified real fast That's
1: interesting it makes you think somebody looked at it and went well that wasn't a real crash or whatever but maybe knew something about flying or maybe it was extremely obvious even to those without pilot expertise
0: yeah i'm not sure Uh, to me uh, i was like wow this is it, it seemed to like just come out of the blue and everybody that was looking at this was like, yeah, there's something hinky about this. Um, so I sat there and I waited to find out what went down and apparently this is what went down. So more than his plane, his entire existence.
1: Sorry, oh, was there so something there's there? something in here where apparently he was um, gathering the wreckage, towing it elsewhere destroying it um he interesting. was yeah
0: how did he get to the wreckage before anybody else
1: he well he said he didn't know where the wreckage was but then he and a friend recovered the plane
0: well that's interesting so, yeah <laughs> two days after it happened but claimed he didn't know where the wreckage was shortly after that he and a friend recovered the plane towed it to a hangar, and over the course of several days destroyed sections of the plane and stuffed the parts in trash cans in and around the airport like some kind of serial killer leaving body parts in dumpsters
1: <laughs> well <laughs> wow
0: that, <laughs> that that was jumped. rather vivid
1: <laughs>
0: uh that got dark real fast uh Wow. That's pretty astonishing. Well, I guess we'll see. Okay, let's move on to the last article for tonight. Ah. This is in the Daily News Show. Herd of cows assist police in locating suspect who hoofed it to a remote area. That's right, folks. Cows finally got. They've turned the tables and now you're cooked. A herd of cows helped the North Carolina police department track a suspect who fled from officers during the traffic stop or a traffic stop on Tuesday, allowing police to arrest the suspect. Let's go over to this article. So Peter, oh man, Caramblus? Carolambus? Carolambus. There we go. It's Carolambus. Uh, let's see. The deck line is obviously we want to express our gratitude to the cows for their assistance. Oh, magnanimous police department. That's very nice of you. Give credit where credit is due. Watch out. Canine units. There's a new animal assisting police in their crime fighting mission. This is an article over at abcnews.go.com. Again, Peter. Karak. Karalite. My brain just locked up again. Carolambus. There you go, Carol Ambas. The cows literally led the police officers to where the suspect was hiding, the Boone Police Department. Sergeant Dennis O'Neill wrote in an official press release, in addition to thanking our officers and deputies for putting themselves in harm's way, obviously we want to express gratitude to the cows for their assistance. (laughs) Okay, this article, for those of you who are listening to this, we had the podcast, there's like, six pictures of cows <laughs> maybe there's only three <laughs> you know yeah, i don't
1: th- think of cows as being involved in things like a high-speed chase or something so it just it strikes me as an unusual animal to, and i i know it wasn't really about speed but it's law still enforcement
0: funny. yeah um let's see due to the suspects fast and reckless driving our officers were not close enough to see exactly where the suspect ran Apparently, cows do not want suspected criminals loitering in their pasture and quickly assisted our officers by leading them directly to where the suspect was hiding. The cows communicated with the officers as best they could and finally just had the officers follow them to the suspect's location.
1: (laughs) Okay, what were they doing? Like um, miming at the police officers? (laughs)
0: Uh, like they're it, telling oh, it must the, have
1: been like a Sean the Sheep episode or something where they're like <laughs> nodding their head at the suspect or something. I don't know. You
0: see their little arm get up. Go over there. <laughs> That's hilarious. Minton was charged with fleeing arrest with a motor vehicle, driving with a revoked license and disorderly conduct. According to police, he received a $20,000 bond and a cheeseburger and expected to be back in court in late June.
1: He didn't actually get a
0: cheeseburger. Oh, you're right. That's right. He didn't get a cheeseburger. God, didn't even get a cheeseburger out of that. You know, if that was me, I would probably order a whole bunch of cheeseburgers and just kind of sit there right on the edge of the pasture and go, you're next.
1: (laughs) That's horrible.
0: Oh, I like this. We at the balloon, at the balloon, we at the Boone Police Department are always looking for better ways to serve our community. We may be a small town, but we are a progressive, forward thinking law enforcement agency. For rural law enforcement, we want to be the tip of the spear. <laughs> oh, my eyes are itching oh right my. now. I don't know what's going on. Ugh. And
1: they should have made a quote about. Cows somehow in that last line. but Yeah, really? I don't know what it would have been.
0: Oh, it says at the very bottom in small print, the cows were quoted as saying move. <laughs> okay. Anyway, that's it for hometown daily news show for... May 12th, 2023. We're all done, folks. I'm going to mash that logo right there and show you that we have even more, uh, articles. Sometimes I I'm going to go through and delete some of these because, uh, there's a couple of uh, topics that I'm not sure why they're being aggregated, but, um, anyway, wow pros and cons of cameras on during virtual meetings these are the hard hitting articles (laughs) what you should never do is have your camera automatically on when you go into a virtual meeting
1: that's probably a good idea
0: that way you can sit down and they see you're like all business but in reality you're just wearing a thong I saw something on Reddit today that was basically some guy, I get, I think it was said it was from Utah where he was walking his dog in nothing but a thong and like, uh, walking shoes, like climbing shoes, you know, that hiking shoes, hiking shoes. Um, and that's it. And he was color coordinated. So the, what is it? The carpet match the drapes, except that it was the thong and the shoes oh my alright folks that's it for today I am Merwat that's ometown.com uh, I actually pointed at the monitor anyway that's ometown.com and up there is the AI you want to say goodnight to everybody oh great AI
1: uh, goodbye hometown citizens until tomorrow we'll see you 9pm eastern
0: oh that's very nice of you to say it like that See you later, everybody. Everybody. Uh, People say it ain't be like it is, but it do.